Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. I'm your host, Jake Deemer, alongside Jerwin once again. Um, Jerwin, you're not going to get to intro because I need to uh, start with a little bit of a rant. Um, it's cool. It's cool. It's fine. It's good. What part about you don't get to say anything? Never mind. All right. This is just too important to uh, to wait. I just got to talk through something, and maybe this will be therapeutic for me. Why in the world, when guys are hurt long term, do teams wait to put them on the injured list? Or are they going to miraculously heal? And then the team is like, oh, man, we shouldn't have done that. What is the problem here? Because as it stands now, we're recording on Monday night. As it stands right now, Jeffrey Springs is still day to day. He has not pitched in four days. He, is, he got hurt four days ago. He is still day to day. And the latest reports is he's expected to miss a minimum of two months. What is going on here? Why can we not just put him on the injured list so I can then in turn put him on my injured list and move on with my life in fantasy? But instead, just like the Rays are forcing me to play a bench player short, just like they have to, because they haven't put Springs on the injured list. There is not a good explanation for this besides they want to make my life tougher, and I don't appreciate that. And this is not the first time this has happened. Uh, I remember early in the season, I missed out on Seth Lugo because the Astros and Dodgers both did not put Jose Altuve or Tony Gonsolin on the injured list uh, at the beginning of the year when they were uh, before the games had started, um, even though both of them had timetables that indicated they were not going to be close to being ready at the beginning of the year. I don't understand this, and it it. This is this really just makes me mad. So that's where I'm coming from today. It has happened again. The only explanation I see is the Rays want to make my life tougher, and I don't appreciate that. So that's where I'm coming from. Uh, Jeffrey Springs is still day-to-day. It's been four days. Just put him on the injured list already. He's not coming back for at least another two months. Please just put him on the injured list so I can pick up another player. Thank you. Okay. Now that that's over with, uh, Jerwin, welcome to the show. Um, since I were probably not doing great on time because of that opening that opening rant, we're going to go right into prior week recap. Uh, so the results from last week, uh, we did have some, uh, well, fan tracks way overshot the median. Let me start there. Um, our median last week was only 238.3. I think fan tracks projected it to be in the 270s, so Kind of a little bit of a miss there. But as for the, the head-to-head results themselves, Scott defeated Jordan. Uh, Nick Lee continued his hot start. He beat Sam. Uh, Mike also continuing his hot start knocks off league villain Nick Andries. Um, I beat Nate. I did not see that one coming. And then JC with the highest score of the week defeats Eddie. And then, of course, we have the rivalry matchup that came down to almost quite literally the last game. Jerwin versus Brendan. Jerwin pulling off the win there. Uh, every every one of our victors except for Jerwin also took home a median win. League villain Nick Andries took the sixth spot, uh, and he 
ended up beating Nate by about nine points um, for that last spot. So that being said, Jerwin, do you have any takeaways from last week? Well, I mean, I'm I'm feeling good picking up a, a gutsy win. I think that's the spark that the team needed. And uh, watch out, world. The, the, the vibes are coming for you. But my big takeaway is I might, might uh, be bad at draft grading. Uh, JC, Nick Lee, and Mike I had as low draft grades. And they're three of the top four scorers. And none of them have best median so far. Now. I I say might because I'm not I'm not waving the white flag just yet, but it so far to start the season, it it looks rough for my for my draft grade takes, um, but I th- I think there's a couple reasons for that. One is my draft grades were not team grades overall because I left keepers out of the out of the grading entirely pretty much and uh all of these guys jc mike and nick lee all had pretty decent keepers going into the year and they they've all at least three keepers on each of their teams some of them more have have performed pretty well to start the year so i'm not going to take the l on that one they're the keepers are are part of what's doing so well for them um and but yeah so it's not just the keepers either like they have some picks that i you know thought might have been questionable maybe went too early i didn't like them at all what have you um but some of those players are doing really well like rowdy telez for for nick is as started off the year pretty strong um but yeah there's there's plenty of year left i haven't i haven't given up on my draft grades but i'm i'm willing to be wrong really willing to be proven wrong and uh so far these guys are are making me look real dumb my takeaway is less analytical, and that's that we have a new best rivalry between Jerowin and Brendan. Um, maybe it's not, I don't even, I guess I shouldn't say this because I really, I think that the rivalry was great. I love the trash talk. I love the back and forth, but it isn't, it isn't so much you overtaking the other rivalries. It's like those ones have kind of fizzled for for lack of a better term. Uh, me and Nate, I guess, traditionally has been a pretty, I guess it, like we, we've, met in the playoffs and and some higher stakes games uh, a lot but this one didn't seem to have as much oomph uh, and there was zero trash talk between us for one thing uh then there we have nate and jordan um i know last year we had we had some good trash talk there but i haven't seen it so far this year and it definitely wasn't as good as uh the back and forth between brendan and jerowin in what was really a very low scoring game but even still, it was very close, and I definitely, I think everybody in the group chat can agree that we all appreciated the entertainment. Uh, so congratulations, I think you guys have the the new top rivalry. And you can call it a rivalry because you won. That, that's true. I, I think, here's the thing, though, like, Ravens-Steelers is always a low-scoring affair, too, and that's one of the best rivalries in all of sports. So 
I'll take it. That is true. I, I shouldn't have said low scoring. I should have said great defensive battle. Exactly. Um, <laughs> let's go to our standings update. Um, I didn't do this last week because we were only through one week, but I mean, I probably didn't have to do this this week too, but I'm just going to go ahead and read them off. In the East, in first right now is JC. He is 4-0. Mike is right behind him at 3-1. and And then Nate, despite uh, losing to me last week and having the same record, he still has me in head-to-head, or in, uh, not head-to-head points. He has me in total points. So he has the third spot in the East at 2-2. Two and two. Over in the West, Nick Lee is in first. He owns the tiebreaker over fellow undefeated team Scott. They're both 4-0, but Nick Lee is in first with the points tiebreaker. Scott is second. And then in third, we have Jordan, despite the 0-2 week. He still is in third in the West. All right, so that is our standing update. We'll switch over to wildcard later in the year, but for now, we're going to do top three in each division. Um, Jared, when we have like an actually, a, a, we have an actual fun trade to talk about this week. I I will say I did not, I thought that the first two were kind of boring to talk about, but this one is a little more fun. And this is between the Andrews brothers. Uh, Nate traded Alejandro Kirk and Nick traded Miguel Vargas. What were your thoughts on this one? Um, I guess it is a little fun. It, it's certainly more fun than the other ones. The players um, are more fun. The players are more fun. They're more interesting to talk about. Uh, my first, my gut reaction was kind of like, yeah, they're fine. Um, I, I think it's even trade. Uh, I think they're both guys with high floors in our format with their plate discipline. And uh, left field eligibility for Vargas is a big deal. Same with second base, which should be coming soon. Um, and he's a guy, he he hasn't been like lighting the world on fire or anything, but I don't know if you know this, um, he's walked a lot to start the year. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's got a, a high enough floor to, to warrant uh, some value for us while he like develops and, and maybe gets going offensively a bit more. Same thing with Kirk, the high floor and catcher eligibility. He's, there are not very many high floor guys at, at catcher. So he's, he's a pretty good grab at a, at a weak position as well. Uh, I did, I did notice Nate is, this is like not necessarily trade related to the trade itself but nate is loading up on i I don't know if they all qualify as prospects like i think like kalenic kalenic however you pronounce his last name um he was up like all all basically all year last year i don't think he's technically a prospect anymore but he's he's another one of those young guys but I counted, and if you're like counting guys who have who are just like young guys who were prospects maybe last year or the year before, like he's up to eleven now, and five of them currently, as of this morning when I checked, have the green flag uh, still on, on his roster right now. So he's he's really loading up on a on a youth movement. It'll be, I'm interested to see like how, how it goes for him. We're going to talk a little bit about prospects later. So we, we can maybe touch on that a bit more, but I, I just thought that part was interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think this was a pretty, I guess a fairly even trade. I'm going to give the edge to Leagueville and Nick Andrews though, because uh, I mean, the keeper value and um, 
I think Kirk as a catcher is going to be a little more valuable than than Vargas, despite all of Vargas's positions. I will say though, with Vargas, um, he's only averaging 1.9 points per game right now, but he has not hit like at all. That's basically he's basically being carried by the walks. So when he eventually does get going, um, that should be a pretty fun player to own. Uh, I think we kind of expected that, but um, I will say though, hitting is something he has yet to do in the majors because he he had a kind of a he had a cup of coffee last year and he really didn't hit it all there either. So I, I say when he starts hitting, I guess I should more. I mean, I think we all assume he's going to, but I guess that should be more of an if since we haven't seen him really do that yet. Um, but the good eye at the plate uh, should be, I think he'll be fine. But I, I'll give the edge to uh, to Kirk since he's done it before and it's he's at the the thinnest of positions and I think he's one of the very few difference makers there. Um, and he's I th- I still think he has some some keeper value even though it's not it's not as uh, as nice as it was this last year. All right, so <clears throat> our main segment, and credit to Jerowin for coming up with this one. Uh, this is the stickometer. And basically what we're going to look at here, we picked out some players that uh, we've picked up, uh, well, not us too, but um, at the league as a whole has picked up off of waivers. Um, and basically we are going to run them through the stickometer. And that means that on a scale of one to 10, how likely do we think that they are to stick on one on a roster? So if the trades that if, it, if you trade them to somebody else, that still counts. Um, how likely they are to stick on a roster all season. Um, they don't have to start. They just have to be rostered uh, with 10 being going to be on the roster all year. No problem. And one is he will be dropped tomorrow. So we did this with uh, guys who were true free agents. So you won't see anybody on here who uh, was drafted. Um, these are all guys who were added. Uh, who were just, like I said, were true free agents and um, were un- they all went undrafted. So let's start here with Taj Bradley. He was picked up by Nate. Um, Jerwin, I'll let you lead off here. What's what's your give me your number and your reason why for Taj Bradley? So I went with a five here just because he's only had one start so far. They only let him throw seventy-eight pitches. He I get, he three earned runs in five innings. Not a terrible start. Not an amazing start. I like I like the stuff in his arsenal. I I think he has the potential certainly to stick around. Um the the only thing is again he's only had one start so we don't know if he's going to get better, if he's going to get worse. I think with the Rays you can maybe bet on getting better rather than rather than worse because they have a good track record. Um, but the other thing for me was both Glasnow and Eflin will be back eventually. And I know Springs is out, not to not to harp on that for you, Jake. But he's only day to day. He could be back any minute. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I I don't know I don't know if like what Glasnow and Eflin coming back would put them at. I think that would be five pitchers without Taj. So um yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with their rotation once once their main guys are healthy. Um maybe maybe Bradley sticks 
sticks in and like they move Eflin to the bullpen or something. Who knows? But um, yeah, I, I went with a, a medium five. I think he's got a, if he stays good and keeps the job, I, I think he's an easy, an easy roster for the season as of right now, but there's just so many questions as to, as to whether that's actually going to happen. I went a little higher than you. I went with a six. Um, I think he looked pretty good in his first start. I uh, should definitely get an opportunity with Springs out. Um, but I, again, our latest information though is that Springs will eventually return. And you you also mentioned uh, Eflin's not supposed to be out for long, but um, Glass now as well is, is going to be back at some point. Um, I think Bradley's in a situation where if he's good, he'll stick. Um, I think for me, the question is more so the workload or you know, like the Rays being the Rays, uh, they might just they might limit him just because that's what they tend to do with with young pitchers. Um, I think you mentioned the three runs in five innings. I think I actually think that was more of a product of him just running out of gas because I believe those, uh, at least two of those runs happened in um, his last inning of work. And you said you mentioned he he uh, only threw seventy eight pitches. Well, he had he had not thrown over 55 at all this season so that i think that was more a product of him just getting tired rather than um rather than anything else but uh yeah he also he also had like a 455 babip in this in his start so like a little bit of bad luck there as well so yeah i mean it, it could be i i i think the skills are there um it's going to be more opportunity i think he'll have one but it's a lot of it is going to depend on him. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, I, I think that the Rays will kind of artificially you know, keep his innings down. So maybe, maybe he is kind of just like a five inning guy, but I, I still think he's pretty good. So I'm going to go with a six. Um, I'm going to bank on him being good enough that uh, the Rays will keep him in the rotation. And that will, that in turn will keep him on our fantasy rosters. Uh, so let's go to our next name. That is Tyler McGill. Um, and he is on Brendan's team. He's one of those replacement pitchers that Brendan has um, while he waits for his guys to get healthy. Jaron, what's your number for Tyler McGill? I gave him a three. Um, I don't see him sticking around for long. Uh, there's there's a wave to ride with him right now. Um, he's started off decent. Um, and some upside to chase if he can like capture the magic that he had early on last year, but I'm just not seeing it so far this season. Um, plus like, like you said, he's one of those replacement pitchers that he has. He's ho if all goes well for Brendan, hopefully not cough, cough. Uh, if all goes well for him, like he shouldn't need someone like, Tyler McGill week in and week out once Rodon and Musgrove return. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see him him sticking for long, and he 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 hasn't earned it yet for me either. I'm again one number over you. I'm I'm, a, I'm at a four, um, and this is coming from somebody who was very hyped about Tyler McGill last year. But like kind of like you said, it's it, he's not really the same guy that we saw then that I was very excited about. Uh, the velocity is not where it was. He's not really locating very well. Uh, I mean, I, 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 this is just isn't quite the same. Um, I think he could still be useful enough to stick, but 
I, I don't see an impact pitcher here. I see somebody who you can't really start in very difficult matchups. Um, and it's going to be a bit of an inconsistent pitcher, which in turn makes you scared to start him. And I think some of those inconsistent pitchers with the blow up starts, uh, I don't think they tend to stick real well just because, you know, we get, we don't like starting them. <laughs> uh, we don't know where we're going to get. So I went with a four, um, a little, still, again, a little higher than you, but I, I think we're kind of aligned here. Um, so let's go from one pitcher I was very excited about to another pitcher who I used to be very excited about uh, way back when. That was, that's Matt Strom. Um, he's on, he is a Sparp on Mike's team. Jerwin, what is your take on Strom? This one's pretty short for me. I gave him a four. It's same deal as McGill, basically, uh, but with better whiffs so far this season in his profile and RP eligibility. So um, just a tiny bit more value, I think, that could could persuade an owner to to keep him on, on the roster. I also have Strom at a four. Um, I Again, I, I don't know if anybody remembers. I was really pumped to see Strom as a starting pitcher, but that was like four years ago at this point. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's just like he's had plenty of time to between then and now to, uh, you know, to, to back that up. And he really hasn't. Um, this just doesn't feel like something that can last for me. Um, he won't go deep into games, and that, I believe that's by design. Um, I, I don't think that the Phillies are gonna are really inclined to push him like at all. Uh, he's he's not a guy who's gonna go deep into games. Um, so really, he's gonna have maybe at most like seventy pitches to work with, and he's generally not the most efficient pitcher. So you don't really know how many innings you're actually going to get out of those seventy pitches. Um, so I, I think. The bar is, is definitely a little lower since he's a Sparp um, than it would be if he was a, a real starting pitcher. Uh, but again, I, I just I just don't think he's very good. Um, I think he's definitely gotten very fortunate to this point to, uh, to have the numbers that he does. So I'm going four there. Um, so again, I, we're, we're pretty aligned here. Next, we're going to go to a guy that we, we talked about last week, Jose Alvarado. Um, I'm not going to, I don't have too much to say about him since we did talk about him last week, but I have him as a, as a 10. Um, he's on Leagueville and Nick Andrews team at worst. I think he's a great setup guy on a team that doesn't really have a lot of those. So he's going to be in plenty of high leverage situations. Um, and the strikeouts, uh, the strikeouts and the combination of holds or hopefully saves, um, will should should keep him rostered all year. I can't see him dropping out of the the startable range, even if he does have a couple blowup outings. I think he's the best reliever in the Phillies bullpen, and um, I think he might be a an actual difference maker here um, throughout the year. So I have a ten for Jose Alvarado. What is your number? Yeah, I had the same thing. Like barring any unforeseen collapse that happens or like an injury, which I, I didn't really like consider. Like if a guy gets injured and he gets dropped and that ruins everything, what's the fun in predicting that? Um but yeah, barring some sort of like collapse, like his, he just has dead arm the whole second half of the season and is just terrible. Um 
he's only going to get better once the Phillies start giving him closing opportunities regularly. Um, I I don't know what their situation is exactly. I tried. I looked to see like who's. I just went on like fan tracks and looked up Kimbrel and Sir Anthony Dominguez to see how many saves they had. I think they each had one. Um, so like I don't even know who's really blocking him at this point. Who like the guy is in Philly, but it it's got to be Alvarado eventually. Like there's only so long they can can wait to make that happen. Yeah, I think right I think right now they're in the phase that so many other teams have been in the last couple of years where they're just like so desperately trying to make Craig Kimbrell happen. Um and it just isn't happening. And Dominguez has gotten shelled just about every time he's taken the mound. So I don't think yeah. I think he has a lot of trust to regain before he's gonna threaten for that job. Uh let's stick with Nick's team and we're gonna go to a Bucko. Uh, and the, and another Sparp, Johan Aviedo. Um, Jerwin, I'll let you start here. This one, I I might be a little high on this one, but I gave him a seven. Um, I I like the harder slider he's throwing, and I like the increase in curveball usage and the better performance that it's getting this year. Uh, if it keeps up, uh, he's an easy stick as a Sparp, in my opinion. Uh, but volume certainly will be a problem as his career high is 62 and a third innings. Um, the one, the one additional note I'll say is it's interesting. It's very fun for me to see a uh, a pirate starter making uh, making pitch mix changes for more and better breakers rather than like a sinker pitch to contact. So I'm more encouraged about the Pirates pitching coaching than I am about Oviedo, honestly. But yeah, I I don't think he hasn't given us a reason yet, I don't think, to think that this isn't real. Like he, he has some good sticking potential, I think. I went with a six. Um, his fastball, we, you didn't ma- you didn't mention it. You mentioned the really good break, the really great breakers, but you did not mention his fastball is really bad. Um, but he he seems to know that because in his last outing, he went about seventy percent breakers, which is great because those are much better pitches. Um, I do kind of buy the changes, and I I think there's a legit starter here, um, even though the fastball is a little concerning. Uh, but I'm giving this number a little bit with my heart here because he is, we finally have like, like you said, a a starting pitcher for the pirates who showed like positive pitch mix changes and we don't see this very often. So maybe this is a little bit, maybe this number is a little higher than it should be, but, um, I'm choosing to believe here. And like I mentioned earlier, the bar for a spark is to be rostered is definitely lower than a regular starting pitcher. So, um, I think Oviedo can can clear that, and he does have the potential to be to be an impact to be an impact arm for the on a per inning basis, I should say, because like you said, he's not going to be he's not going to be a big volume guy for sure. Um, even though he did just go, I believe, seven innings. Um, so yeah. All right, let's go to a hitter since I believe we've done all pitchers to this point. Um, we wish we should get we need to get like a hitter guy 
on here because I feel like I mostly I'm very skewed towards <laughs> towards pictures when I when I make these uh, itineraries. But all right, is it Logan Ohoppy or Logan Ohop? I don't know. Ohoppy sounds better, so I'm just gonna go with that. And he was picked up by Nate. This is actually, I believe, the reason he felt comfortable trading Alejandro Kirk um, is because he was able to pick up Logan Ohoppy, catcher for the Angels. Jarwin, what's your number for Ohoppy? I actually originally had a six, but I I forgot that that's that's Nate's only starting catcher now. Like he he's not the backup anymore. He's he's the guy for Nate's team. So I'm gonna up that to seven. Um, it looks like the plate discipline has been pretty bad this year, much worse than the small sample from last year, but he could adjust and smooth that out a bit. He's got enough upside at a bad position to warrant some patience if he does struggle, and Nate seems to love him. So, And it's not like he has he's done nothing so far this year. It's just um, if he's going to be held back at all, it's going to be because it's going to be because he strikes out too much. Yeah, I went with a seven here. Um, I think that he's going to stick just because he's now Nate's only catcher. And um, generally, if you're going to trade for another catcher, then you would give away your catcher because nobody wants to roster two. Uh, but <laughs> I, I think the plate discipline, and I, I could be wrong on this. I believe the plate discipline was actually not bad in the minors. Like, I think that was, I don't want to say like somewhat of a strength for him, but it was pretty good in the minor leagues. And um I think that'll I think when that comes around, that'll give him a solid enough floor. Um, I think he's more of a back end starting catcher. Um, like I wouldn't put him on Alejandro Kirk's level. Uh, but he's a starting caliber catcher for me nonetheless. And I, I think he'll I, I think he'll stick in that range. Um generally we don't see a lot of uh I don't I don't think we see a lot of movement with like the starting catchers. Um, because it's just not as many enticing options on waivers. So uh, I think once you kind of break into that group, you generally speaking, you you stay there. And uh, I think Ohapi is in that group now. Um, so I think he'll be rostered. I don't think he'll be great, like I said, but I think he'll be pretty good and um, definitely good enough to be a starting caliber catcher. All right, let's go back. That's enough hitter talk for now. Let's go back to a pitcher. Um, and this is Bryce Elder from Eddie's team. And Jerwin, what number did you give Bryce Elder? I gave Bryce Elder a two because I think he has an elite high school fastball. Uh, he throws at 88 miles per hour, and that'll that'll blow some 15-year-olds away. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Braves are probably going to move on from him in time uh with all the injuries and like the early struggles of schuster and dodd um once that stuff gets cleared up they're not gonna stick with eldar for long is it pronounced elder or eldar i have no idea i just e-l-d-a-r i think that's how you spell it it's 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 a e-l-d-e-r Oh, well, I have it misspelled. That explains why I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, and one additional note on him, I gave him a two instead of a one because judging by uh, Eddie's pitchers, I don't think he has a ton of depth right now. 
and elders done well enough to i guess maybe warrant some patience through struggles or just like stick stick out on his bench if Eddie needs needs him for like a two start week or something like that but yeah i i think kind of a flash in the pan kind of start for elder and uh he just he just doesn't have much impressive going on good command but other than that is it's not it, i just don't see it with him okay this is interesting because this is our first big disagreement this will be our first fight look at oh, that yay um okay so i i have elder at a six and i'm curious to think why like why do you i guess is there somebody i know that soroka is still working his way back but is there like i, I don't think the dot or schuster is going to boot elder from the from the rotation i don't i don't really i know you mentioned that's why i'm bringing them up as you mentioned but i don't really see them as threats at this point like i think that elder has kind of staked his claim uh just 88 mile an hour fastball and all for the uh for that rotation spot i i don't see i don't see those two guys in particular as really a threat and ian anderson uh he was bad before he got hurt, but he's hurt now and he's out of the picture. Um, the only other one is Soroka, but I, I thought they had they might have had an extra rotation spot, but maybe I'm miscounting Braves pitchers. Um, I might be, but in any event, um, I think that Elder kind of strikes me as uh, just kind of a solid points league pitcher. Um, maybe like one of the four free agent starters that will be better than the four horsemen, like I predicted. Um, he is generally pretty efficient and like he, he throws a lot of strikes, like he's a big time strike thrower. So that should lead to him being efficient. And, uh, generally speaking, he should be going fairly deep into games. I, I think he does get enough whiffs that he can carry a decent strikeout rate. Like it's not gonna be anything fantastic, but, um, I don't think it'll be anything terrible either. Um, like I said, I think he's just one of those guys that's just going to be a pretty solid points league pitcher that you're not too disappointed in when you have to throw him in your lineup. Um, not going to be starter every week for you, but I, I think he'll stick around. Uh, I guess I would have to look more into Dodd and Schuster. I, I get they had a rough start. Uh, I get, you know, maybe they're, they're just not going to see the rotation again for a while, maybe not even at all this year. Um, but I don't know. They... Again, I, I guess I'd have to look deeper into what was going on with them, why why they were so bad. But like going into the year, they had a lot more pedigree than Elder. I don't even think I... I didn't even know about Elder until he was picked up off waivers uh, in our league. Um, so I guess I, I my thought was just, I think it's more likely that one or both of those guys with the higher pedigree and upside figures it out and takes over, then Bryce Elder continues to be pretty solid all year. Because, like, he could, I, I guess he could turn into, like, a, a Merrill Kelly and just be kind of solid and you keep him around for good matchups and stuff. But he could also, like, fall apart or hitters can figure him out stuff like that and and just be 
bad, even if he does stick in the rotation. So that was kind of my thoughts on it. All right, so now we get to go to what I'm sure will be your favorite part, Jarwin, because we get to talk about one of your players. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and we get to do it, and nobody can say anything. Uh, all right, so this is Francisco Alvarez. Um, Jarwin, I'm curious to hear what your what your number is for him. He's catcher for the Mets, for anybody who doesn't know. I have him uh, as a three right now. I think he's got enough prospect pedigree. Um, I keep saying to warrant patience. I'm probably going to say it more as as we continue this, but um, and again, he's catcher. He's I think he's just utility right now, but as as he continues to play catcher, uh, he'll he'll gain that eligibility. Um, but yeah, I think he's got a high enough pedigree. He's pretty highly ranked going into the season as far as prospects go at a pretty weak position to kind of let him marinate on the bench, see if it works out. Um, but in a couple weeks' time, if if he can't figure it out, um, like I've got Melendez already, who I think sh- hopefully should turn it around and, and see better days. I grabbed... Travis Darnode, he's he's on my IL right now. Uh, just in case that doesn't pan out either, I've got a lot of options to catcher right now. I'm I'm hoping Alvarez can can be a a starter for me, but um, if not, then then I, I think he's low enough for me to where. If there's a really enticing option on the waiver wire or, you know, one of my IL players comes back and I, I need the bench spot for them or the starting the starting spot for them, I, I'm not going to hang on to Alvarez for too long. Yeah, I gave him I gave him a two. I want to believe, but um, I am also acknowledging that catchers develop much more slowly uh, than other hitting prospects. And. I'm a little worried about his defense because the Mets really don't seem to believe in him on, on that side. Uh, and if they don't believe in him, I don't know if I should either. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it doesn't seem like they were really enthused about promoting him. And I, I understand why just with this, I know that defense is a much bigger part of uh catcher's impact than an offense, but if the Mets don't believe in him, I don't think I would either. All right, next we go to Sam's team, and we're going to go back to another pitcher. This is Kyle Freeland. And, yeah, I, I don't I don't have anything real here. This, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, we know what Kyle Freeland is at this point. He's not, he's not real. He's not a real pitcher in the majors. No. <laughs> yeah, this, should, this was just here for laughs. Jerwin, what's your number? Yeah, I should I should be clear with the audience. Jake said we should just take Kyle Kyle Freeland out and talk about something more interesting. And I was like, no, we have to crap on Kyle Freeland. This has to happen. It's for the people. But yeah, I I gave him a one. Shocking, I know. Uh, I was I was expecting you know to pull up his his player page and be unimpressed and give him like a, a three or a two or something. But it was much worse than I don't think I've ever looked at Kyle Freeland's player page until this morning and my goodness 
not great. It's it's so much worse. He's got a 15% strikeout to start the year, a a slower fastball than Elder, who I already didn't like for that reason, uh, and a 7% swinging strike weight rate. League average is 11. Just so just so we all know. Uh, so yeah, it's it's all bad. His velocities are all down. I I genuinely don't know how he's done well this well so far. I mean, like props to him for for getting some points to start the year. Um, and you know, not not to be too negative and send the wrong vibes out in into the universe. So one positive of Kyle Freeland is after this streak he's on, he will absolutely be a worst ball ace once again. So if you're if you're any any worst ball leagues, buy low on Kyle Freeland. That is very true. Uh, I like what you said about his player page because I looked at it like expecting it to be terrible and like boy was I not disappointed. So <laughs> like it's it's just it's it's bad, but hey, like that we're good for Kyle Freeland that he's he's done well up to this point. Uh, so now we're going to go to a hitter, and this is this is the only one on the list that's on my team. It's Nolan Gorman. Um, Jerwin, what's your number for Nolan Gorman? I gave him a seven. Uh, I think last year he was like a he was a very interesting ad when he got called up. Had a lot of power in the minors. Was very exciting. Um, and so far this year. Uh, We've seen some some pretty good some pretty good contact metrics. His hard contact rate, which is um, hard contact per plate appearance, different than uh, hard hit rate. That's per, I believe, per batted ball event. Um, but yeah, thirty three percent hard contact, good for eighty first percentile to start the year. So that's pretty darn good. What was interesting to me was last year, he was an interesting ad and then kind of fell away because he was striking out too much this year. His K minus walk rate is 10%. And I thought I wrote it down. I want to say the league average is 14% um, for, for hitters. So um, some of this will come back down. I think uh, once his barrel rate normalizes, he's he's hot right now, obviously, uh, and I think um, I think that shows in the barrel rate, and that's something that you can say, okay, that'll probably come back down to earth. Not everyone uh, barrels the ball that frequently all year long, but um, still, I, I like what I see so far. Uh, some of the the plate discipline metrics. I think if that can stick or at least not like regress to where it was last year, uh, he can, he can stick in a lineup as well. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. I gave him a seven as well. Um, cautiously optimistic here. Cause this isn't normally my type of player, but uh, the strikeouts have been down. He's cut those. I think by about 6%, if I'm remembering correctly from last year um, and the walks have been up. And the power, he's not really sacrificed any of his of his power. Um, that's been his calling card back in the minors. He hits the ball very hard. Um, and that has definitely carried over. So I think for him, as long as he keeps like a sub-30 strikeout rate, I think he'll sub-30% strikeout rate. Um, and this new walk rate sticks as well, or at least, you know, doesn't dip too much. Um, 
I think he'll be pretty good. Like all the all this, the the batted ball data all looks very good. But I mean, he is a guy who generally does hit the ball really well um, and really hard. But he's actually making contact with it a little more now. So <laughs> that that is always helpful. So I'm I'm optimistic about that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm, li- I'm cautiously excited about Nolan Gorman. Uh, let's go to another reliever. Um, and this is a guy who not that long ago was uh, was being drafted very highly for a relief pitcher. Aroldis Chapman, um, and he's on JC's team. Jerwin, what's your number for Aroldis Chapman? I think I'm probably a little high on this one as well, but I actually gave him a nine. Um, and... I was pretty much out just like everyone this season on Araldus Chapman, but so far this year, he's like alive again somehow. I, I don't know what it is exactly. He must have hated it in New York for some reason. I mean, New York's a terrible place, so I get it. But um, I mean, he's getting a ton of whiffs, 22% swinging strike rate this season. Um, and. strikeout rate, which I'm looking at it now is just the second best at the position, which is also kind of wild. But anyways, that's a different point. Um, I I can't imagine that he keeps this up all year, but he so far this season, he's outperforming like his prime, which is pretty wild. And unlike someone like Kenley Jansen, who I've who I've bad-mouthed on the podcast so far, it seems Chapman hasn't lost too much stuff. And so, like, those reasons for concern are kind of... I think I can put them aside for now. Maybe maybe he starts to struggle down, down the stretch this season, but I think he's also... He's in Kansas City to be the closer. I don't see them giving the job to to someone else. I don't even know. Like, Scott Barlow hasn't looked great this year to start the season, and, like, his velocity is down and stuff. So I don't even know who else is in that bullpen who would maybe challenge Chapman. So the Royals aren't a great team, so the volume's not going to be great for him, but... When he does pitch, it'll likely be in the ninth, and the ninth inning is worth five points instead of three. So, uh, I can I can see him sticking on a roster. the The only reason I didn't give him a ten was because, like, he's old. Maybe maybe the wheels fall off like they did last year down the stretch. But I'm I'm actually kind of liking what I'm seeing from Meraldus Chapman so far this so far this year. I don't have too much more to add. I gave him an eight um, and mostly the same reasons um, I will add. I don't th- like, I, I think he is the closer. Um, and I, I think that was probably always the plan uh, with him signing in Kansas city. Cause like he walked out on the Yankees in the playoffs because he wasn't going to be the closer. It's like, I don't think he's going to sign with Kansas city of all places and be cool with just pitching in the eighth. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember like thinking in the off season, like, Oh, he's going to Kansas city, whatever. He'll just be a middle reliever in Kansas city. But then like people said, I I think it was Chris towers on, on the CBS pod. It was just like, do we really think Araldis Chapman left 
a World Series contender because he he was unhappy about not getting closer opportunities to go to Kansas City and not. And then I was like, oh yeah, right, that would be super dumb. So uh, I I think a lot closer to drafts once once I and other people like me realize like, oh yeah, that would be ridiculous. We we knew he would be the closer. Yeah, I I I mean he looks like you said he looks pretty good. I mean the only reason I didn't go higher was just like I'm again, you already kind of made this point, but like the wheels fell off in a hurry last year and like I kind of think the control with him is shaky enough so that even if he looks good like it could just go at any time. So I'm not I'm not totally eliminating the possibility that that could happen. Uh but let's move on. Um let's go next to Joe Adele, and he's on here because he has a hot start in the minors and people are kind of talking about him. He doesn't really, looking back, he probably shouldn't be here. I probably could have just skipped him just now, but since he's on here, we'll talk about him. Um, he doesn't really fit in with the rest of this segment, but whatever. It's too late. I've already started talking, um, and I'm not going to cut this. So I gave him a one. The hot start is great and all, but like we've been through this song and dance a million times. He strikes out too much and is so terrible defensively that he should only really play at DH. The problem is that he plays for probably the only team that has a dedicated DH in Shohei Otani. So tough luck for Joe Adele. I gave him a one. Yeah, same here. I, I think Scott White described him as a quadruple A player. He, yeah, he's ridiculously good at triple A. But he he still strikes out a ton even during this hot streak that he's been on, and he's just he hasn't he would have to show literally anything at the major league level for for me to be interested in him, and I mean the the Angels called up Neto before they called up Joe Adele, despite the the really strong start to the to, to the minor league season. I'm sure that's more of like a positional thing, but but still. Neto was drafted last season. He's had, I think, 42 games of professional experience, and they called him up before Joe Adele, who was drafted in 2017. So uh, I don't see it happening for him. Very big sad for Joe Adele, but he's he's going to be a, a superstar at AAA. Yeah, we maybe we should we should somebody should have picked up Neto so we could have talked about him instead because he's very interesting because he's just like a total mystery box. Uh, Maybe I will do that and we can add, we can pick, we, you know what? I'm going to add him right now if I can. Well, never mind because Jeffrey Springs still isn't on the injured list. All right. Well, Jeffrey Springs is out here ruining our podcast segment. Um, let's go on. Let's move on to Mike Clevenger. Um, he's a starting pitcher for Brendan's team. This is another one of the, the replacements. Uh, I guess that's the new nickname for that group. Darwin, what's your number for Mike Clevenger? I remember that Cartoon Network show. That was a great time. Uh, I gave uh, Clevenger a two. Maybe I'm a little bit low on him, but uh, he's basically a two-pitch pitcher now. He's um, a fastball on a slider, I think it was. Uh, I kind of... This section of notes was a little bit rushed, but... uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see him getting like the kind of numbers out of those pitches that we want to see. Um, he could stick around as a streamer, but that doesn't seem extremely likely to me. I, I feel like 
again, same deal with who's the other guy, McGill. Um, Brendan's going to get reinforcements eventually, and I don't know that Clevenger's going to be the guy to to stay around once Rodon and Musgrove are back. I gave him, I gave Clevenger a four. I think he he could settle in as like a bench streamer guy, but I mean he's he's just wholly unimpressive. Um, his control isn't great. He doesn't have any great pitches. He really only throws two anyways with a fastball and slider, and they really aren't anything special. Um, but I mean, I think he'll kind of settle in as a guy that you can throw against a bad offense or like during a two start week and just pray that like the second bad matchup or doesn't kill you. So, or that he's just, you know, the cumulative points between those two. He gives you like 21 points over the week. And that would be like a good two start week for him. So I think he's going to kind of settle in as that sort of pitcher. Not, I don't think he's anything special. So yeah, that's uh that's Clevenger. Uh, we'll go to Johnny Brito. We might actually get through this whole list. I shocking Johnny Brito. Um, this is on Sam's team. What is your number for Brito? I gave him a three. I could probably be persuaded to go higher. I think it's maybe a little recency bias after he got like absolutely blown up in his last start. Um, but for me, I'm not sure what his status is going to be like once the Yankees start getting some arms back. They already, like, even, even after his first great start, they, like, sent him down, but they brought him back up because they had another injury. Um, he's shown enough promise, I think, to, again, warrant patience, the buzzword of the episode. Uh, but if he loses his spot, I, I can see him... I can see him being a drop. He he doesn't have he wasn't drafted, so it's not like you're you're keeping him around in case he's a good keeper next year. Yeah, I gave him a two, and the reason is um you get zero points for pitching in the minors, and I think that's where he's going to be in fairly short order once Severino and Rodon come back. Uh maybe even when one of them comes back, because I think even with Clark Schmidt struggling, uh, I think Brito's definitely the lowest man in the pecking order here. Um and I I'm Honestly, I'm kind of unimpressed with the skills. Uh, even even though he did have two good starts before the the blow up against Minnesota, I still don't think it was anything real special. I don't think the I don't think there's enough swing and miss here. And uh, I don't know. He's just whole. He, the the whole package is just kind of unimpressive. <laughs> I I don't know that there's really anything to chase here. And like I said, once he's ticketed back to the minors. Um, I don't know that he's really good enough to warrant holding on to him. So I, yeah, not really much more to say about Brito. I'm not, not really enthused by him. All right, let's, uh, let's finish up with a guy who was actually just added this morning. And to be clear, the only reason we're talking about him is because he's an Oakland a, and this has to do with my bold predictions. That is Brent Rooker. Uh, what a number do you give Rooker? I gave him a three. He's got a really inflated barrel rate right now. That's pumping up his numbers. Um, his numbers look great. Like his his player page is bright red. Unless I'm thinking of someone else. I don't have it pulled up right in front of me. But anyways, uh, uh, some of the plate discipline uh, improvements that he's got right now over past seasons might be sustainable if he remains more patient at the plate. But... It's still going to regress, I think, 
maybe not too as bad as it was previously, but still not going to be like really good like where it is right now. Um, still, still better than some of the other waiver ads out there, but I mean, he's pretty much an unknown. I I haven't heard of him before, so maybe he just got really hot all of a sudden and it'll go away and we we'll forget about him in in two weeks or something but at least there is some there is some stuff to go on for now at least yeah i'll make it quick i i said that two i think i said two oakland a's would be would be rostered i don't think he's going to be one of them um i'll give him like a two i think he's just your typical pick up the hot hitter right now just ride while you can and then he's gonna he's gonna tank eventually what he does have going for him though is he's he's on the a's so there's not really any reason why he wouldn't be playing so um he's gonna get every day at bats that's probably in the middle of their order for what that's worth uh and like you said he's actually like performing really well right now so maybe maybe i should bump it up a little bit and give him give him a chance but i don't know i i'm choosing to be negative here i will i i gotta ask though um because i said that i need two oakland a's to to stick for that prediction to uh to be correct so if nate just keeps mason miller on his roster even though and mason miller just doesn't get called up does that count as an oakland a i mean it it depends on oh i see what you're saying like does it he's in he's in the minor league yeah he's not actually playing for the oakland a's i would You know, I I think I would count it. We'll we'll put it up to a vote for the league because that's that's what we've done. I think with some of my hot takes from the chaos episode in the past, it's like ask the league, does it count? I think I would vote yes because it is the Oakland A's organization. Air quotes there. Um, but I can I can see an argument like, yeah, he he never actually played in Oakland, so. Why would, why would that count? But I, I think I would give it to you if it if it came down to that. Well, I appreciate that. Um, but we are going to move on, uh, not talk about any Oakland days anymore. Let's go. Let's go to our week three preview. Um, I'm gonna. So let, let's start with the thing to watch for, Jerwin. Give me your thing to watch for this week. Wow, I did such a good job this episode taking taking notes on the stuff I wanted to say. Um and I forgot to write down a thing to watch for. I think, you know, I'll just harken back to to what I said at the top of the episode. I want to watch and see are are the hot teams whose drafts I didn't like for real are they just off to a hot start? Can they keep it going in in the third week of the season? Um, and similarly, I don't know. I mean, my team is one of them, obviously. I like my draft because everyone knows I like my players. Um, so I'd be interested to see if I can maybe get a bounce back going, get some momentum after that really scrappy win I got. Um, 
I know Jake, you already bounced back after a rough first week. Um, I'm trying to think who else is who else was guy kind of high on who hasn't done well so far. I think it might just be you and I from that first week, and you've already bounced back. So, heck, I talked about my team again. Sue me, um, but that'll be my thing to watch for. How how will the early starts? Will they continue? Will some high performers regress? Will will low performers uh, get going to start the year? My thing to watch for is Eddie's team with Tatis coming back. Um, I don't know if if anybody's. I'm sure the people have paid attention to his rehab assignment. It's been kind of a joke. Um, he's he's batting like 515 right now. I think his, his OPS is like almost 2000. Um, it's just really stupid. Uh, he shouldn't be allowed to be on a rehab assignment while he's suspended. That's kind of a dumb rule. Um, but in any in any event, he looks ready to go, and we know what his upside is. So I'm excited to see Eddie's team with Tatis back because I think that Eddie still has a very good team um, and is definitely underperformed at this point. Uh, just as kind of an aside, um, and this is also Garrett Cole being really good, but like. Garrett Cole currently accounts for across the across the uh, the year so far. Garrett Cole has fifty five percent of Eddie's total pitching points, which is just nuts. Um, that's Garrett Cole being really good, but also the rest of Eddie's pitchers being pretty bad. Uh, but I I think that'll turn around. Um, I still believe. Uh, maybe Sale like Sale Sale's been bad. Javier hasn't been great. Uh, Singer hasn't been very good, and you know. I guess like Austin Gomber has just kind of been himself, which it's, you know, he's Austin Gomber, but yeah, I think Eddie's team is better than what, what he's, how he's played so far. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing his team now that he's adding Tatis to the mix. And uh, I think that'll be very good for him. All right. So let's go to matchup predictions. Um, as promised, I went back and got the records. Um, I am off to an eight and four start. Jerwin, you are nine and three. Our guest is also nine and three. So we are, as a whole, we are doing very well. And something we will be keeping track of now that the now that fan tracks updated um, is the uh, is fan tracks projections. How the how does fan tracks doing? Uh, so so far. Fantrax is seven and five, so they are so they're, it, the projections are a little a little behind us, um, but I they've been a little wonky, but uh, I I am interested to see now how that goes now that we're tracking that, just comparing it to our picks. Can we beat the machine? But that's enough of that. Let's go to the matchup predictions. We're gonna start with my matchup, me versus Brendan. I took myself in this one, and I think that's. No surprise, because I think I'm on record saying I'm not going to pick Brendan until some of his pitchers have returned, because I do not believe in the replacements. Jerwin, who do you have? Yeah, same deal here. Uh, in addition to uh, thinking is Brendan is bad and he should feel bad uh, because he's my rival, uh, like you said, I, I'm going to pick against him until maybe I'll give him throw him a bone at at some point with a uh with like a you know 
one week before Rodon and Musgrove both return, but until until I see something, I'm going to keep picking against Brendan. Fantrax agrees with us and also has me. Uh, let's go to the next matchup that I have, and that is Nate versus Nick Lee. I'm riding the hot hand here, despite uh, Will Smith being in, being in the lineup. Um, I'm going with Nick Lee here. And Fantrax agrees, also picking Nick Lee. Yeah, I'm sticking with, with the hot start. Um, I didn't mention at the top, but I think Nick Lee is the one I believe in the most out of the three guys I, I mentioned of of the hot start that they're having. Not to say that I don't believe in, in Mike and JC at all, um, but I, I think I like Nick Lee's team the most so far out of the, the teams that I drafted kind of low who have gotten off to really good starts. All right, so let's go next to probably our heavyweight matchup. And that is jc versus scott i took jc here uh fantrax again agrees with me um which might be bad i don't know uh jerwin who do you have here i actually went with scott i mean i just believe in his team more than i believe in jc's and again i'm i'm willing to be wrong but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna bet that the the regression starts this week for jc and uh, Scott continues to to roll. He's had a he's also had a really good start to the year, and uh, uh, I just think he sustains that. And and JC does not. It takes us to your matchup, Jerwin, and that is you versus Eddie. I took Eddie here, but the but Fantrax believes in your team, and has picked you. Well, to be fair to Fantrax, they might not know that. Tatis is supposed to play. Who knows? Fantrax projections are, are weird like that. But I I pick my team. Now, a word a word on me picking my team. I I've come to a realization. I I don't need to pick my team every single week to to maintain positivity. Sometimes you have to have a little bit of humility. That is that is also some positive vibes. I happen to to still believe in my team this week. I think we can pull it off. Jacob DeGrom has two starts against really bad teams. He's currently mowing down Kansas City. Um, but, you know, in the future, I'm not going to pick my team every week. And, you know, win or lose, that's not what positivity is about. There's there's plenty of stuff to still be positive about. Whether I pick my team, whether I don't pick my team, whether they win or lose, you know, there there's more to life and more to the vibes than that. So just just a public service announcement. That that's kind of my attitude moving forward. I won't pick my team every week. And, you know, gotta keep the segment interesting too, you know? Alrighty then, let's go to Mike versus Jordan. I took Mike here. I think he's going to continue to roll, continue this hot start. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. we're waiting for me to give Fantrax. Uh, sorry. Fantrax also believes in Mike. Yeah, I said last week that I was going to gonna ride the bandwagon with Jordan until the wheels fell off and uh he let me down last week so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Mike. Uh if if somehow Jordan writes the ship, I'll maybe pick him next week. We'll see we'll see what happens. All right, so our last matchup 
that we need to pick is Sam versus League Villain Nick Endries. I took our reigning League Villain in this one. Um, and I know that he got victimized today by uh, the the dreaded early start. Um, pitchers, just, pitchers just don't like pitching at that time. I don't know what it is. And I think it, maybe it's just like in Fenway. It's just especially bad at that time. So I'm sticking with it, though. I'm picking uh, Nick in this one. I will say, though, Fantrax does not agree with me. Um, they actually had Sam with head by quite a bit. Um, I think this was their widest margin that they had that they predicted, but we're going to split here. I'm taking Nick in this one. How about you? Yeah, I also had Nick. I was banking on, you know, the hangover to be shaken off in week three, but um, had I, had I known that he would have had to carry the hangover into early Monday start when, you know, the weather drops 30 degrees in one day, at least in, in like, the northeast area then um then i might have chosen differently but i'm sticking with it and hopefully he he pulls it out down the stretch all right so moving on to our news and notes segment uh lots of prospects coming up over the weekend brett Beatty, zach netto who I, like i really wish it was pronounced neato because that would just be so much cooler uh, i might Oswald. just pronounce it neato anyways yeah i might as well I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to listen. So I'm not going to offend <laughs> anybody. Oswald Peraza, Brian Bello and Taj Bradley got the call this weekend. Vaughn Grissom also did, but I don't think, I mean, he kind of counts. He's a like part prospect at this point. Uh, which of these guys do you think will be the most impactful for fantasy? I'm going to go with Brett Beatty. I, I think I could easily make the case for Grissom as well, but I'm going to go with Beatty. I think he's got a really good profile for our league and he's really been crushing it in, in the minors uh, really high. I think he is averaging over a hundred miles per hour in exit velocity, which is nuts. Um, obviously that's not going to carry over one-to-one as he adjusts to the majors, but um, of, of the players on here, Aside from maybe Grissom, I think he has the best chance of making the most impact right away. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I don't really have much more to add beyond what you already said, so I'm going to keep us moving. Uh, with the increase in promotions, I mean, sticking with prospects, um, with the increase in promotions over the past two years, uh, should we be kind of increasing the amount of prospects we're rostering? I mean, for me, I usually don't go over three. I'm normally at two. Um, and by prospects we're rostering, I mean, guys in the minors kind of stashing, um, uh, but we're seeing more prospects being called up than ever before. Um, so yeah, should I, should I be changing my strategy? How should we be, how, should, how do you think we should be going about this? I think it's, I think it's more justifiable to maybe draft them more frequently and maybe add some more if you have some spots early in the season but personally i still don't want to have too many dead bench spots um unless you're like sure a guy is gonna get called up soon like brett Beatty, i think was a fair bet to make um i think you can still mess out miss out on some better options in the draft um or early on in waivers if you're not too committed to to the prospect strat Maybe I, I I could be wrong, but uh, 
so far so far i'm not really convinced i i i think i'm gonna stay true to the two or three at the max strategy yeah i will i will say i think you can increase it but i i think they have to be the right kind of prospects and i say that as guys that are like in the vicinity of getting called up <laughs> like if a guy doesn't have any chance of getting called up i don't really know that he's worth a roster spot um and he has to be very very special to to be worth it in that case um and you have to be pretty sure that he's going to make an impact because that's like holding a dead bench spot for an entire year is that's that's a lot that's a lot to handle at least for me um but that's all for prospects uh this is on here. Cody Bellinger got a standing ovation in Los Angeles and it led to a pitch clock violation. There's nothing fantasy relevant here. It was just funny. Although Cody Bellinger has been actually off to a quietly good start. Um, but we are a Cody Bellinger hating league. So we just get to laugh at him for getting a strike because people in LA gave him a standing ovation. All right. So our last item here is just an injury roundup. Um, this might become like a recurring thing where we just. We're just going to go over this where this is the annual. This is supposed to be like the recurring pity party segment. Um, Jeffrey Springs elbow four months or not, well, not four months. It's two months. Sorry. Uh, Brandon Woodruff. He's kind of an unknown timetable right now with his, with a shoulder injury. Corey Seager's out four weeks at the hamstring. Tim Anderson has a knee injury. It's like the timetable right now is two to four weeks. And then we got Zach Eflin. Uh, he has a back injury, but. I don't think he'll be out very long. So the question here, uh, which of these guys is the biggest loss? Or I'm going to reward it a little bit. For who does the injury suck the most? For who does the injury suck the most? The manager, um, I guess. Wh which manager should we feel the worst for? Let me rephrase it that way. Hmm. Uh, for me, For me, it's Jeffrey Springs. Uh, I know you already voiced your displeasure uh, on this one, but he was just off to just a really good start. He was a he was a really good uh, he was a really good arm coming into the season. Had a lot of upside, sparp eligibility, and and that's the part that does it for me. Um, like you drafted him to be that rock in your bullpen while you're kind of fishing around for for other guys to fill the other three spots. And now you don't have that. Maybe one of the one of the other guys you have, you know, lives up to it and and is more consistent for you. But you know, you could you can end up fishing around all year for for guys who are gonna be that rock in your bullpen and be consistent. Um I, I think that one hurts a lot because a, a lot of your team's success kind of kind of revolved around Jeffrey Springs being a, a key piece. Yeah, I think Jeffrey Springs is the right answer here, and I will accept everyone's sympathies for me. Um, but I think we should also send a few mics away because Brandon Woodruff is also a huge loss, and that is looking like that could be a potential longer-term injury as well. So sympathies also to Mike. Yeah, that's Woodruff, the end of the pod. No, go ahead. Woodruff, Woodruff is also like a Mike guy, so extra sympathy for him. It's it hits it's hit clo hits close to home when one of your favorites gets goes down. That is very true. 
uh, we are at the end of the, we're not at the end of the podcast, but we're not going to close quite yet because I did want to tease a segment that we're going to start doing um, with our, when we have a guest on. And I'm thinking that this will be very fun for everybody. Uh, we are calling it the airing of grievances and um, in honor of the, the Festivus uh, tradition um, made famous by Frank Costanza. And this is basically where you get to come on the podcast and at the very end, when we're closing out, um, you get to air your grievances against the podcast. You get to just grill us on any take that we've had, any any grievance that you've had against us uh, this whole time. Now, at, this, at the end of the podcast, it will be your time to... Uh, just just let it go for everybody for everybody to hear Jerwin and I the the rules here are we cannot interrupt you and we cannot respond so uh, you get to come on here and basically tell us how dumb we are how bad our takes are and uh, any other grievance you might have the time will be given to you to air it right on the podcast for everybody to hear so uh, we are, we're excited for this one. Hopefully this is not one of those just like good on paper ideas. That's like actually terrible content, but I'm excited for this one. I think it'll be, I think it'll be fun for everybody. And maybe, it'll, maybe it'll encourage some people to sign up just so they can, they can come on and yell at us at the end. Jared, when I was waiting for you to, uh, to jump in there, but since you're not, um, I'm just going to close this I, out here. I thought I didn't get any last words. Just close the podcast. <laughs> I am going to close it out. That's all for us this week. Uh, thanks for listening.